0: Alright, so, this is our baptism uh, service the, uh, this morning, that's why the, the pool is out here. It's not um, the pastor's own little uh, bathtub, this is actually for, although we were saying this morning that maybe we have a, a little lights or toddlers group, we were saying that maybe we could raise the game with our toddlers group, if we open this up as a little pool. Uh, so they only, they only get charged a pound at the minute, but I reckon... If you've got a heated pool in there for the kids, we could get up to three pound, probably something like that. Uh, but baptism—I don't know whether you've seen a baptism. Seen quite a few you have. Some of you maybe haven't. You don't know what's going on here. And you know, baptism is one of those things that we, we need to explain carefully what it it means because there's a story told of a young uh, son of a pastor, and he witnessed baptism for the very first time and the next day he decided to do his own baptism, so he got his three cats and he went to the the bathroom and the bathtub and he began to baptise his cats. So the first one went in no problem, away it went. Um, The second one, he got it in, but the third one was the old family cat and it wasn't having any of it. So as he tried to baptise it, the cat was fighting him, the cat ran away. And he thought, you're not getting away from me, cat. So he chased the cat and he, he got it and he grabbed it. and He tried to get it in again and he couldn't get it in again. The cat ran away so the, the guy just shouted after it, "Fang, be an atheist then. <laughs> Off he went. But we have to explain what baptism is. Because for many people, they think that baptism is some mystical, magical thing that makes you perfect. That's not what baptism is salvation and the, the, the guys have talked about this they've shared the stories of salvation it's something that saves you from your sin that one day when you get to heaven you will be perfect but it doesn't make you perfect so we have to explain these things and what we're going to do is the ins and outs of, of baptism I forgot to take the, the, the uh, punctuation out of that I'm afraid it's ins without uh, that so if, if I can pick that up I'm just letting her know but I knew, I knew that. Um, we need to talk about it. Because what we are, if you're not familiar with us as a church, we, we have little things that we do, but we base the things that we do, the practices that we have, from the Bible. If the Bible says it, we're going to do it. Because we look to the Bible and see it as God's Word. That's what we're about. I don't have any special knowledge, I don't have any special revelation other than what God says and I believe that God knows better than us. The one that created us, the one that holds the world in existence, that everything you see in this order, gravity itself, the planets spinning, the distance from the Sun, that the scientists want to come up and say, Well, actually, we have no idea. Actually, a big bang happened, which means nothing times nothing equals everything. Rather, we take an approach that this word is full of design, it's full of order, that the human body itself is a marvel of technology. It's a marvel. And we look at it and we see that there has to be a designer. And we see in the Bible that designer, that creator is God. So we trust him to know better. So why do we do baptism? How do we do baptism biblically based? We take it from the Bible. Now some of you here might be saying straight away, this is is your default response to what I've just said. Oh, this is just a book written by men. Let me tell you, just have a look at it. There's nothing like it. This book is written over hundreds of years, practically thousands of years. It's written by over 40 different authors, three different languages, different people groups, different places, yet one unified message. It reveals things that man could never know. I'm reading through the Book of Job at the minute, and the science in there is phenomenal. Science that the world has only caught up with in the last two centuries. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. This is the book that man has tried to destroy because they don't like what it says about us. That we are accountable to our Creator. But yet, this is the best selling book every year. Man's tried to destroy it. Regimes have tried to destroy it. Rulers have tried to destroy it. Can't do it. Why? It's a supernatural book. This is the book that has things written in it about. Um, certain people groups, heroes, the ones that they idolize, and yet it tells us, warts and all, their failures, their faults, everything. What am I saying? If men read this book, they would revise it to make themselves look good. Every book written in history is written from bias and propaganda. But here, God reveals it all. He takes the idols of Israel, Moses, Abraham, King David, And shows us the faults. This is a book supernaturally authored. So, upon that basis, as I look, and you know, I stand here as one that believes this, not blindly. It's an educated faith, but it's faith all the same. And I trust, rather than nothing times nothing equals everything, that God created all and stands above all. And therefore, who are we to argue with Him? So when we get to baptism, why do we do this? Why do, why do, why do we not christen at this church? Everybody else is doing that. Why, why do you not do it? You know Why can't you go with the program and the flow? Because I don't believe that christening is ever spoken of in the Bible. That every baptism that takes place is adult. Why is it adult baptism or older? So that the people know what they're doing, know what they're signing up to, know what it means and know what it's saying. That's important. Child doesn't know what they're doing, but Ryan does, Joe does, but the baptism isn't what saves people, salvation saves people. So according to the Bible, according to the Word of God, we want to just quickly, and I'm not going to keep you long, unpack the difference between salvation and baptism because some people put them together. Like there's some merit in this, that actually if you just walk through these waters, that you'll be saved from from your sin. And that's not the truth. So what's the difference between? Well, firstly, I I want to look at salvation because salvation, and I want you to get this, is an internal transformation. It's something that happens on the inside. What is it that happens on the inside? I'm glad that you asked. Let me take you through it. I want to take you through the Romans road. This is in the book of Romans. It's called the Romans road for a reason because it takes us on a progression of seeing who we are, who God is and what we can have in him. And the Bible says, this is step one. This is what we call it. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means we've missed the mark. God's standard. We've missed it. We've missed it. All of us. You know, and you may sit here and say, well, you know, pastor, you're you're talking about things. I'm not really a bad person. I love that. I love that you think that you're not a bad person. But that's not the truth. You may look good to other humans, but what does God say? Again, on the premise and the basis that God has created you, on the premise and the basis that God knows your very heart, what does he say? What has he seen for your entire lifetime? Tell me now you're a good person. I often make this challenge, and to yet nobody's accepted it that if I had some technology here, that I could just plug these screens into your brain and let everybody here see your thoughts for the last month. Your thoughts for the last month. Not for your life, for the last month. I don't think there's many people here who want that to happen. (laughs) I'm telling you now, I'd run a mile. I'd run a mile. Why? Because we're not good people. Inherently, we lean towards the bad. The things that we think. Now we equate the things that we do, but God sees much more than that. He sees the heart. The Bible says the heart's desperately wicked. I know my heart. I know it's wicked. I know my thoughts for the last month, and they haven't all been good. Especially towards some of my parishioners. (laughs) step one we're all in the same place step two continues it as it is written there's none righteous What does that mean none in right standing anything that we try and portray as good God sees behind that and actually we're not good we're not good none of us are people think that if we just do good things lead a good life that if there is a heaven surely their good things will outweigh the bad But if God is a true righteous judge, he's a holy judge, how can he let that happen? Does that happen in our own courts? Somebody murders somebody and then they get in the dock, and as their defence they say, you know what, I understand that I've transgressed, I've broken the law, but let me tell you about the charity work I do. Let me tell you about the community work I do. Let me tell you about the gifts I give to the poor. And the judge takes that all into account. And then he says, actually, you know, you've done quite a bit of good. I'll forget about the bad. Now, if you're the family of that victim, how would you be feeling? Injustice! It's outrageous. It doesn't matter about the good. It's about the breaking of the law. It's the transgression. It has to be paid for. So if we expect that type of justice here, why would we ever expect God's justice to be corrupt, that actually you could bargain with him and present the good things that you have. The Bible leaves you in, in a place where you cannot do that because it tells you there's, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 6.23 tells us the penalty, the wage of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a price to pay, death. Death is not non-existent. Death is separation. Your soul and your spirit, that bit inside of you, is eternal. It's going to go somewhere. It doesn't just fizzle out. That's what the Bible says. Death is separation. Separation from God. But the gift of God, through Jesus Christ, Calvary, is that you can be with God forever. Your creator, the one who created your soul and your spirit, you can be with him for eternity. You can be separated. What did God do about that? Romans 5.8. He demonstrated, commended, demonstrated his love towards us. And why were we were yet sinners? Christ died for us. That's the message of Calvary's Cross. That we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it. We weren't in favor with God. But God made a way that we could be. Why we were sinners? Step 5. How do you enter into this truth? Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has risen from the dead. The Bible says you should be saved. You should be saved. Open for anybody. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad I'm a whosoever. And guess what? You're a whosoever. Whosoever. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter who you are whosoever calls in the name of the Lord, notice the words shall be, not might be, not could be, shall be. This is definite truth. Definite truth. I had a pastor in the, my, my first church, the pastor I took over from, that's what he used to say. You know what? I'm glad I'm whosoever. And I thank the Lord for that. Romans 5.1 When you accept him, when you trust him, you're justified by faith. What does that mean? Just as if you'd never sinned. You're in a right standing with God and then you have peace. What did Ryan say this morning? Peace. Peace. Why peace? Because the bit of you that can't be filled by the world has now come alive. You're connected with God. your creator. The one who made you to be with him. You're connected into that relationship That will never be removed from you you can never lose that he'll always love you and ultimately when this life is done because this world is fallen it's broken it's full of wickedness that you'll be with him forever with no pain no suffering no shame no heartache none of it as god created you to be peace with god right standing before him in the bible christianity stands alone Alone in everything else in the world. Because every other religion, every other system will come along and tell you to get this peace, you have to do. Do good works, attend the church, give to the poor, follow the system, live a good life, etc, 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 etc. Christianity stands alone in them all. Because it says there. There's nothing you can do. It's already been done. Not by us, but by God and God alone. There's nothing like it. So I don't earn my favor with God. He loves me because he saved me. It's unconditional. It's not on me. All I have to do is cry and accept him and then I have this for eternity. This is the gracious gift of God. And then we can say as believers, as the folks have testified this morning, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Secure forever. I mean, this world throws curveballs. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But for the believer, the truth is that they know no matter what tomorrow brings, the future is secure. Secure. I've met so many people in my life that have put all their eggs in their property, in their bank balances, in their jobs, in their family. And when that gets taken away, they're crushed, they're hopeless. Because everything's in that. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, your future is secured. And there's nothing in the world that can change that. Nothing. That's peace. That's assurance. That's what you can have if you don't know Him. Because God is good. And He wants that for you. He wants that for you. That's salvation. And salvation is an internal transformation. It's not external. There's nothing external about it in the process. It's in there. God changes you from the inside out. Now, others will see your faith. They'll see the change. But it's between you and God It happens internally. When people hear the gospel, repent of their sins, understand that they're in trouble with God, and cry to him to save them, and then God does his work. But baptism, what we're going to do this morning, that's an external demonstration. There's a difference. Because there's nothing mystical or magical happens to Joe and Ryan when they come in here. They start dry, they get wet, and they come out. But it doesn't change the inside. This is a ceremony. It's a a picture. It's a demonstration for you. As they declare their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we do baptism by immersion at this church? Number one, biblical. You'll see it from Old Testament through. And number two, it pictures what happens at salvation. Because at salvation, you die to your old life. You're buried in Christ. That's the picture. And then you're raised to walk in newness of life. That's the gospel message of Calvary. That Christ took our sin. He died was resurrected on the third day. The life that we enter into is life in him. And that's what the baptismal pool does. That's what it pictures. That's what it shows us. So what happens is the baptismal candidate will come in. He'll come into the water. He'll stand in the water. And as a minister of the Lord, I'll baptize him upon the profession of his faith. I'll baptize him. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death. So they go under the water, which pictures death to the old life, picture. And then I say, raised to walk in newness of life. And they come out of the water. That picture's new life. It's a picture. It's a type. It's nothing other than that. There is no internal change that happens in that pool. It is a demonstration of what has already happened. Salvation is when you come in a new relationship with Christ. It's, it's like the wedding. Baptism is like the wedding ring. So I'm married, happily so, because my wife is my wife and my dreams never gives me any trouble. <laughs> so I'm a married man. No, I've just took my wedding ring off. Let me let me hide that. Am I a married man? Still I am, yes, absolutely. I've tried, I'm, I've tried this. But what's the ring? What's the ring for? Hmm? So I put the ring on, I'm a married man. But if you never knew me, could you see that I was married? Right. It's an external demonstration. I take this off, it doesn't change that I'm married. Salvation's that internal thing that's unchangeable. Baptism is this demonstration It's the wedding ring to the wedding, if you like, so that you can see that the people that do this are committed to Christ, that they are saying to you because of the internal change, their life has changed, they have peace with God and they are committed to walk in that newness of life, understanding that it's not all rosy all the time because we're all still sinners. We're we're saved internally. God's changing us, but ultimately we still sin, we still fall, And until we go to heaven, until we meet the Lord face to face, we will face sin in our lives. And that means we fall. But it means that when we fall, we know we're still loved because it's not based on anything external. The love is not an external basis. It's internal. God has done it. And when he says something, he means it. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll always love us with a perfect love. And salvation, whereas baptism is just the candidates telling you about that and showing you his burial, their burial, his resurrection, their resurrection, and their commitment to walk in newness of life. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. This is what baptism is telling. Nevertheless, I live crucified with Christ and under the water. That's why it immersion fill immersion that's why we don't sprinkle them around the head number one that's not how they did it in the bible you talk to me after if you want about that number two sprinkling water over somebody's head does not picture this in any way shape or form and that's what judaism did they pictured this death resurrection death resurrection unclean clean. it's christianity done I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Raised to walk in the newness of life. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Gospel message. That we don't do this life in our own strength. That we live it for God. So, baptism, salvation, they're two different things One is internal transformation, one's an external demonstration, but ultimately put together, they point to a confirmation that the person has trusted Christ, they've been saved internally, and now they're committing to walk in that newness of life. So that's the ins and outs of baptism. I've explained it, I hope you understand it. If you have any questions about it, If you haven't been baptised, you may be a Christian here that's been brought up in a church that doesn't do baptism by immersion and you want to know more about it, come and speak to me. If you're not a Christian and you want to know more about the Christian faith, come and speak to me. I'm happy to answer any questions. Whatever Whatever question you have, I'll do my best to answer it. And some of you may have questions. Questions are good because there are answers according to the word of God. So, What we're going to do is we're going to stand and we're going to sing um, a hymn. And this is the the new hymn that we've been learning. And then I will ask um, JJ, if he's there, will you come and lead us in this hymn? What we'll do is we'll ask the baptismal candidates to go and get changed, to get uh, goggles, flippers, what else? Did you bring them, Joe? The goggles. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Well, that's the, the baptism calendar. It's going to get changed. And then we'll uh, have the baptism. So, JJ's going to lead us in the song. After the song, there'll be a short video explaining what baptism is again. And then we'll have the baptismal uh, service. Thank you, James.
2: baptism all about? Well, let's look at a typical life. Many of our lives look like this. I am the center of my life, and the different components that make up my life, family, job, school, friends, money, house, car, all revolve around me. It is my life, after all. Sometimes I bring the religion component into my life as well, and that revolves around me too. But the thing is, our relationship with Jesus was never meant to be just one piece of our lives. When we decide to follow Jesus, when we accept his invitation to become the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life, Jesus invites us to bring our whole life into our relationship with him. To follow him, not just in one component of our life, but in everything. When we are truly following Jesus, things don't revolve around us anymore. Jesus becomes the center of our lives, our family, our job, our friends, our possessions. We are now part of something that's bigger than ourselves. So what does baptism have to do with all this? Baptism is a symbol of that decision to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. That decision to go from a me-centered life to a Christ-centered life. Baptism doesn't have any supernatural power. The water isn't holy. Baptism is simply a public proclamation of what has already taken place in our hearts, dying to our old way of life, and rising to a new life in Jesus Christ. That's what baptism means. That's what we celebrate.
0: on first. So Joe, do you acknowledge that you're a sinner deserving of eternal punishment and you can do nothing to earn God's favour by your own efforts? Yes. Do you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God's one and only remedy for your sin, the only provision for your salvation? Yes. Do you acknowledge that by your identification with Christ by faith you died to sin and were raised to walk in newness of life in Him? Yes. Is it your intention to live a different kind of life because of your trust in Jesus? and the new life that he's given you. Okay, so upon your profession of faith, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Buried your legs of the dead, raised to walk in you. efforts? Yes. Yes. Do you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God's one and only remedy for your sin, the only provision for your salvation? Yes. Do you acknowledge that by your identification with Christ by faith, that you died to sin, raised to walk in unison life with him? Yes. Is it your intention to live a different kind of life because of your trust in Jesus and the new life that he's given you? Yes. Okay. So upon your profession of faith, I'll ask you to take your. <laughs> For on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of the dead. Praise the Lord.